Hey, this is Ruben, and nobody asked me to do this. What's up, y'all? This is Joe, and no one asked me to do this. Hey, everybody. This is Betsy, and nobody asked me to do this. Before we start the show, just wanted to give a heads up to the listeners about some of the strong sexual content the show has today. If you have small children around you, this is your heads up. With that being said, on with the show. Welcome, listeners. This is Ruben Ortiz. Thanks for joining us. Joining me for this chat are hosts Joe Mitchell and Betsy Jail. This episode, we will be examining several of the peculiar and, quite frankly, wacky beliefs of the Jehovah's Witnesses. I say several because there are way too many to cover. If you go back to our first episode, we discussed Joe's belief he would have a panda by the time he was 30. Remember that? Yeah, I believe that. Then let's discuss some other ones, from beliefs to urban legends. Joe, I believe you had a question for Betsy. Any weird beliefs that you remember, Betsy, that like you believe? I never could get on board with once you die, you're not a sexual being. Not the obviously sex, dead people aren't sexual beings, hopefully, goodness gracious. But like once you were resurrected, that was a speculation. And then they kind of said it and then kind of said we never said it. Can someone confirm or deny? This was a belief they taught. They did reverse it later, which we'll talk about in a bit. What they did teach was that when Jesus told the Sadducees, the resurrected ones will neither marry nor are given into marriage. This meant people resurrected in paradise would never get married. They would be like the angels, which meant in this context, they weren't going to have sex. And I used to be really scared of dying before Armageddon and then getting resurrected and not being able to have sex. Oh my God, really? <laughs> I was serious. It was, a, it, was a, it was a concern for me. I was legit concerned. And it was, well, you won't have the desire. And I was like, well. <laughs> yeah, I know myself. I know myself. Jehovah's going to make your new body, though. He's in control. We wouldn't have to pee when we resurrected. The only reference to any changes to body parts was from the scan of the 1930 Golden Age publication you sent that says there have been some instances in which women have been transformed into men, and it is possible this transformation may become general and we shall all be brothers again. Hmm. It just makes no sense. To claim that everyone who is resurrected would be having a sexual desire would be either either claiming that everyone would have a hormonal imbalance or be asexual, created asexual, or recreated asexual. Exactly. Since 2014, they changed their tune. In a watchtower, August 15, 2014, they said, is there sound reason for hoping that resurrected ones will be able to marry? Put simply, the answer is that we cannot say. Mm. And then they wrote this and they admitted it. For years, our publications have said that Jesus' words about the resurrection getting married likely refer to the earthly resurrection and that those resurrected to life in the new world will evidently not marry. It is possible that Jesus' words about marrying and the resurrection apply to the heavenly resurrection. So now they're like, oh, yeah, it might be. He might be talking about heaven. We don't know. So odd to me that, like, particularly a thing like paradise, right, this goal that you're trying to achieve, the end game for this whole thing, we were not allowed to speculate on really like what that was going to look like or be like. 
And that to me is an absurd belief. When you have a, something coming up that you're excited about, let's say you're planning a wedding, like you want to talk about it. It's exciting. It's coming up. You want to be able to discuss the goings on with folks that are also going to be there with you. Or like, say you have a party coming up or something like that. Paradise is the ultimate party for Jehovah's Witnesses, right? But you're not allowed to talk about it at all. Like any of it. Were you told that you couldn't talk about it at all? Couldn't be like, oh, I want to have a house and I want to have a tiger or I want to have a panda. Beyond animals being nice to us, I wasn't allowed to. Wow. Like, that was like a pastime. Like, how, yeah, no, we didn't. We didn't did, in my house. How about you, Joe? You said it was a pastime for you? Yeah, we sat around and made speculations of like the house we would have. But it was like really dark now that I think about it. We'd be like, you know that house off of Rice's Town Road? Yeah, when that person dies, that's the house I want. And I'm going to be in that house. Now that I think about it, it's, it's kind of dark. I remember people back in the day doing that, driving by houses and be like, I want that house. I've heard a lot of ex-Jehovah's Witnesses talk about that. So I think my family was more the peculiar one when it came to that than I think I think the looking for the houses that you wanted was more the norm, from what from my understanding. If that's the norm, that's pretty dark, like Joe said. In hindsight, any other dark beliefs, thoughts you had, Joe? My parents made me believe like I would be bullied in school. So you, you remember in like Second King when Elijah, he prayed and she bears came. So I'd be in like elementary school and kids would like push me and I'd sit down and I'd close my eyes and they'd look at me like, what, what the hell is he doing? And I'd be like, where's the she bears? Oh my God. <laughs> oh, Joe. <laughs> oh man, I'm 41 now and I'm over it. But now that I think about it, it's like, damn. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> you hardcore believed this. I, I, like, I be trying to tell really y'all. Like, did, yeah. You really, really did. I was that I, guy. When my parents left the house, I wrote a note to Jehovah and was like, dear Jehovah, if you are real, please catch this note. And like threw it up in the air. Like I was more that kid. Prove it to me. I really did believe it, but I was, wow. Oh, Joe. Joe. Wow. Ah, it don't make me bad. <laughs> no, no, no. It just like I just feel bad that you thought that that was gonna save you. Yeah. You're a hardcore old testament, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hopefully this helps someone else that was hardcore. Yeah, definitely. That's like, hey, you're not alone. You're like, not alone there. No. Here's another old belief that they have that I wanted to bring up. And I'm pretty sure both of you heard of this, uh, the origin of black people. Yeah, I've heard that one. You, Betsy? Yes. It's like, we don't want to say it. <laughs> <laughs> None of us want to say it. You want me to say it? Is that what it is, Ruben? No, I can't. Why I got to say it, huh? This no, is joking. not my belief. Um, <laughs> but this is an old Watchtower belief, which they say that the curse which Noah pronounced upon Canaan was the origin of the Black mm. Earth. Yeah. And Noah said, Curse be Canaan, a servant of servants shall be unto his brethren. So basically, in 1929, they said that this is the future, that he pictured the future of the colored race. Yeah, the part about that article that got me is when they said, there is no servant in the world as good as the colored, the good colored servant. And the joy that he gets from rendering faithful service is one of the purest joy there is in the world. Ooh, reads like a U.S. history elementary school book. <laughs> <laughs> like... <laughs> 
right? So, so outdated, like the good colored servant. Like, wow. It sounds like, an, it sounds like an elementary school history book. Yes, yeah. it does. It's a product of America. The Jehovah's Witness is a product of that time. If that was the pervading belief, then that's what they taught. So that makes perfect sense what you're saying. So if you were to ask the society now, did they believe that Black Lives Matter? What do you think they'd say? Ooh. I would think that they would say that we they're politically neutral. Because so, apparently, apparently saying the this this person or this group of people shouldn't die is a political statement. So they I, would, think that, I think that would so, be their answer. So so would we have to phrase it as, you know, well, how do you feel about the good colored servants? Do you think they deserve to live? I, I want to know now. I want to know what do they feel about black lives? Do they right, feel black right. lives matter? I think they right. all under, honestly, they would say what Betsy said, we're politically neutral, but I would think that they would say in Jehovah's eyes, we're all the same. Mm. Which is another way of saying all lives matter, but in their- Or way, I don't see color. Right, or I don't see color. I mean, you grew up in a household that taught you that, Joe. Am I correct? Yeah, like, yeah, we didn't see color. That's how we were brought up. But with everything that's going on now, they would have to answer that. Yeah. Either way they go, I would be interested. So would let's, they say all lives matter, or would they say they believe black lives matter? So let's extend that challenge to everybody. If a Jehovah's Witness comes to your door, probably a good question. We'll see what they say. Jehovah's Witnesses would be like, Jehovah's Witness lives matter. Yeah. And your life will matter if you come to our religion. <laughs> they, uh... That's what they think. Yeah, that's what they think. Yeah, yeah, they would never say that. They would say Jehovah loves everyone. That Jesus' sacrifice could be applied to everyone of every race. They would say that. The Jehovah's Witnesses did reverse the black people come from Ham belief. They reversed it in 1977 in an article. And the interesting thing about that article is that they're like, oh, these churches teach that. And they pointed at the Catholic Church and they pointed at these other religions that teach that and how that's not cool. But they never said we used to, which is weird because growing up, I remember brothers saying this. And that was after 1977. Did that happen to you, Des? Did you hear about this while you were in? I was born in 76 and Joe was born in 78. They clarified that before we were Joe's Witnesses. Joe, did you hear it? As a belief? As a belief, yeah. I mean, that's something that we used to ask because that was one of the teachings of the Mormons that when we tried to clarify, the article that I found was the one that you brought up, that 1977, that it was more of the, the Catholic Church that believed that, but it wasn't us. I was going to say, in my house, that's we were still taught that. I mean, it would have to be old timers and like, I guess the white community because yeah. they wouldn't have a lot of black converted Jehovah's Witnesses that they still believe we were cursed. Around us, we didn't preach that. I find that fascinating. In your household, they were really aware of that, but in Betsy's household... My father was a giant racist. <laughs> and I hope he hears this. <laughs> and he still is a giant racist. So, so in my house, yeah, that was still taught. Wow. Wow. That's wild. Some of the current beliefs are strange, too. Like the new light belief, which makes all of this possible, right? Because <laughs> they can just backpedal on anything that they said and claim it's new light. It basically says that a doctrine, maybe not so clear, becomes more clear later on. I could get on board with that if it actually was 
the light getting brighter. A light getting brighter is the same light. It's just getting brighter, right? It's right. just clarification. It's not a brand new light bulb. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. They take it and turn it into a whole new light fixture. So do you remember being Jehovah's Witnesses, the teaching on oral and anal sex? Let's yeah. talk about sex, baby. The awkward family worship nights that we talked about. <laughs> sex. I remember those. Yeah, that was a negative in the Jehovah's Witnesses. But I... Yeah, the teaching was no, but you're not supposed to. <laughs> I like that, Betsy. But I, <laughs> the teaching was no. <laughs> uh, I wonder what you meant. <laughs> but like, did you know anybody that didn't know? Okay. Like, oh. if you talk, did you talk about sex with your friend? I don't know. I didn't. Can I tell you both something? Yeah. In my first marriage, I didn't do it. And she didn't do it. Really? Yeah. No wonder you're divorced. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, that's funny. On her end, too. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely on both ends. <laughs> <laughs> no pun intended. No pun intended. I hear Joe all the time be like, I was this super witness. At least in this aspect, I beat you, Joe. Yeah, yeah, you got me beat. I got you beat. Porneia involves a manipulation. I love the word that they use of the genitals. Yeah, we did fornicate before we got married. There was touching, quote unquote, petting before, but once we were married, then there was no oral. I wasn't a married Jehovah's Witness for very long, right? Because right. I was just fellowshiped when I was 16. It took me, what, like a thousand year reign to get reinstated. <laughs> and then, and then like, and then I was back, and then I was back out like a year later. So I really wasn't a married Jehovah's Witness for a very long time. But I was trying to be reinstated while I was married. I was disfellowshipped when we got married. I think he got disfellowshipped for marrying me. Even though I was disfellowshipped, I don't remember. Mm -hmm. But so we were both disfellowshipped. And it was never even a conversation in our house. And I remember like hearing at the meetings, because they would bring it up every once in a while. Hey, by the way, don't be going down on each other. It was never even a conversation of in our marriage of, are we going to not do this? That was never on the table. <laughs> it was never on the table. It was never going to be on the table. Here's a history of the Watchtower's view on oral and anal sex. In 1974, they came out with an article that said that oral and anal sex could be considered fornication. If both partners had a mutual agreement to this kind of sexual lewd act, I'm going to quote the Watchtower here. It says, both marriage partners are guilty. Such a case, if brought to the attention of elders in the congregation, would be handled like any other serious wrongdoing. Then in 1978, they wrote, in view of the absence of clear scriptural instruction, these are matters for which the married couple themselves must bear the responsibility before God and that these marital intimacies do not come within the province of the congregational elders to attempt to control nor to take this fellowshipping action. So in 1974, all of a sudden you could be this fellowship for it. Then this whole thing happened and it threw people for a loop and then Ray Franz comes and changes it. Then 
once they got Ray France kicked out of the organization, they wrote another article in 1983. And in 1983, they wrote, such practice and advocacy could even lead to expulsion from the congregation. And it's so like, I don't know, like something just about what you said just made me feel really icky. We've talked a lot about the policing of mm-hmm. each other. and the, But like to even have to worry about your spouse snitching on you for oral sex, like that's so odd. I learned that since 2011 has been vague and that the new shepherding, the flock book, the updated version, it says that porneia includes oral sex and anal sex and manipulation of the genitals between individuals not married to each other. That changes everything now because how can you disfellowship a married couple for doing an act that doesn't even apply to them anymore? They revert it. They changed it back silently, but they have changed it again. What is their stance on ass eating? Oh. <laughs> so it's the, it would be the same. But it's not a genital. Is it? Yeah. Is the, yeah. Is, the, is, is the anus a genital? No. I mean okay. so that yeah, but if, if anal anal sex there's anal sex so But you're you have a genital that's associated with anal sex. A tongue isn't a genital. And a, and right. a butthole isn't a genital, so right. Are you? Are you? You heard it here. Joe. Is it? Is there? Joe is there, is there, they is there found a loophole. They found a loophole. Joe was witnesses. You heard it here first. You can eat ass. You can Y'all eat can ass. Be like, wait don't, a minute. No, don't no. slip. Don't, don't slip forward, though. Yeah. Don't slip no, forward. No sexual organs used here, ladies and gentlemen. Breaking and news. Oh my God, you just blow my mind. Now I'm thinking about it. And I'm like, holy shit, I think he's right. Wait. (laughs) There's a loophole. There's a loophole. loophole. There's a loophole. You're using them. Is it? It's, oh no. Oh my God. You're welcome. You're all welcome. (laughs) You're welcome. Any of his witnesses that is listening, you are welcome. Try it. Um. (laughs) Wow. Ask your partner first. If you're not married and you're Jehovah's Witness and you want to have some fun, then eat some ass. Then eat ass. (laughs) (laughs) Rated PG-13. (laughs) (laughs) So either of you have been in a situation as Jehovah's Witness where there's no male around, a woman is leading, have to cover their heads. My mom would wear a wig, so she considered that a head cover. Yes. Yeah. Tell me about that. I was, that's interesting. Yeah, like she would wear, she considered her wig as the head covering. So she would, uh, if I was around and I was baptized and I would go on Bible studies with her and she would have a wig on. So she would always say, I have a wig, so this is my head covering. Awesome. I remember there were a few times where we didn't have something readily available and had to use like a paper towel or a coffee filter yeah, I've seen that. random things just something to cover my woman head i've conducted meetings for field service and things like that with a handkerchief on my hand on my head and i know that other religions do head coverings too yeah but the way the witnesses do it is a little different because it's only when you are performing the role that should be normally assigned to a man. What's the point? Like, is my brain going to, is this a filter for the information from my brain? I don't know. It's just, it's odd. It also kept us in line a little bit. You've got Jehovah's Witness women that are, they froze up. 
<laughs> like, I'm like, if they unionize. But for real, if the if Jehovah's Witness r- women rolled rose up and were like, no, we are sick of this nonsense. We are not going to submit to our husbands anymore. We are not going to cover our heads when we pray with our sons. We are not going to not be allowed to teach in the congregations. And I think maybe part of it was a little bit of a hey, remember your place for the wearer of the head covering. A symbolism. All the beliefs we discussed are bizarre, and that's not even the tip of the iceberg. Moving on from official beliefs, I wanted to discuss the Jehovah's Witness urban legends. The biggest one. Which one? Smurfs. 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 Man, I was so mad when that happened. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody want to go over the, the Smurf urban legend? I mean, all of it was just stories. Like, the story that I heard was mm-hmm. that there was a, somebody had a Smurf doll in the front of the hall, and the brother started giving a talk. And in the middle of the talk, the Smurf doll got up and walked out the hall. And my mom and dad used to tell me this story, like, as if it was fact. Like, you know, now you're an adult and you're like, man, whatever, I can Google that. That's some bullshit. But they would tell you this and you would be, I was afraid of the Smurfs. The Smurfs would come on TV, we'd jump up and turn it off real quick because we're like, no, I don't want wow. you to be walking around in my house. I was allowed to watch the Smurfs and then I wasn't. And I was upset because I liked this. I liked the Smurfs. And the story that I heard was something very similar. There was a Smurf toy and during a prayer, Jehovah's name was said and it freaked out and ran again, front of the Kingdom Hall, ran out of the Kingdom Hall. I heard the same story. So you were in South Carolina. I was in Massachusetts. And Joe, where were you? In Baltimore, right? Yeah, I was in Baltimore. Wow. Do you wonder if it originated from some version, like most urban legends do, some sort of truth in it, right? Maybe it was one of those wind-up dolls, and the wind-up thing got stuck, <laughs> and like then the wind-up <laughs> thing unstuck itself. I just saw it's a uh, Reddit post from 2008, and it says a child bringing a Smurf doll to the Kingdom Hall, only for it to come to life, bite the child, and then run away down the aisle, screaming obscenities. I heard it scratched. And it was a Smurfette doll. And it ran down. Of course it was the girl. (laughs) Yeah, it was the girl, Smurfette. So that was the Smurf urban legend. Another urban legend I heard growing up was the urban legend that Procter & Gamble was demonic. There was a logo, the Procter & Gamble. The the, the the moon. Procter & Gamble logo, yeah. The moon, right? That urban legend was also mirrored by my neighbor. His name was Abby. And he was from another church. And yes. and and I heard that from him. Joe's witnesses just pick up urban legends also and make apply it to themselves. Yes, the old Procter and Lambert Gamble logo had like this crescent moon on it, and that looks like the subliminal image imagery nonsense. It looks like there's a horn. There's this inverted six six six. That was not something that ever went around in my household. We brought Procter and Gamble products. There's a whole business insider article on it. It was not just Joe's witnesses. So anyone ever hear the urban legend on John Denver? So apparently what I heard is what some folks heard about Gloria Estefan. What I heard was that he asked witnesses to leave his concert. He was in the middle of a concert and he said something about if there are any Jehovah's Witnesses here, I'm going to ask you to leave the concert now. And see, I heard Earth, Wind & Fire did the same thing. That's the story we heard in our area. 
And my area, it, especially since I was in the Spanish congregation, Gloria Estefan ordered Jehovah's Witnesses to leave the audience. It's so weird because, okay, let's let's do logical. Let's walk this through logically. They didn't announce beforehand, hey, no Jehovah's Witnesses are welcome at this concert, right? It, it, if anything, if this happened, which it didn't, if this happened, if anything, it would have been a sign of respect. Hey, I'm about to do something that's probably going to offend you, so you may want to go. Right? I always heard that it was because Gloria Stefan hated the Jehovah's Witnesses. But wouldn't she have said was it so? It was at the beginning of the concert because I uh, apparently I this is a, a rumor. But I think you know what? Researching for this podcast, I saw that that this is like not even exclusive Jehovah's Witnesses. I think other religious groups do the same thing with different artists, and it's including John Denver. I looked it up in Snopes, and they're like, no, it didn't happen. Not factual. Of course, it's not factual. It's bullshit. They never did shit like this. But it's so weird that they, it's so interesting that they they adopt they, these. Hold up. What about Larry random. Graham's, though? What about Larry Graham winning a million? Oh, I taught you that. <laughs> what about yeah, that? Yeah, you got you to gotta talk about that one. But it's, So you know Larry Graham was a Jehovah's Witness, right? No. He's the one that actually got Prince to become a Jehovah's Witness. Right. Okay, and yes, yes, yes. Song yes. One in a Million is about uh, about him becoming a Jehovah's Witness. It would be one in 144,000. <laughs> so that's what Ruben told me. He said that one in a million. So let me clarify. He wrote an autobiography about his conversion to Jehovah's Witnesses in the 1989 February 22nd Awake. The title was I Found One in a Million. So he was referencing the song in reference to his experience becoming a Jehovah's Witness. There is a song that's it's about... It's called Forever. What is it called? Forever. The Ever. And that's about... Forever. Being, forever. And that's about being a Jehovah's Witness, right, Joe? Yeah, that's what he said. The song entitled Forever, it was dedicated to my hope of seeing my father in the resurrection. Did y'all hear that? You know the song Crystal Blue Persuasion. Right. Yes. Did y'all hear the rumor that that was about the truth book? Yes. Yeah, I think we saw that one too. Yeah. It's not. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. It's just not. With that, we'll end our discussion on peculiar Jehovah's Witness beliefs and urban legends. That was fun. Let's do it again. It was fun, and I want to do it again. It was fun. It's always fun examining like the absurd things that we used to think and believe. And to our listeners out there, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Nobody Asked Us To Do This, the next Jehovah's Witness podcast. Remember, our stories may be varied, but you are not alone. Take off that new personality and create your own. Have a great one.